Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Today, you're listening to Kathleen Powell, curator of the St. Catharines Museum and supervisor of historical services. Adrian Petrie, visitor services coordinator at the St. Catharines Museum. And Sarah Nixon, public programmer here at the museum. We're recording today's podcast at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre, which we acknowledge is part of the traditional territory of the Neutrals, Haudenosaunee, and Anishinaabe peoples, and adjacent to the Six Nations of the Grand River. The St. Catharines Museum is getting ready to launch our annual Mitten Tree Campaign in support of Out of the Cold and Community Care of St. Catharines and Thorold. Our Mitten Tree accepts all sorts of winter woolies, hats, gloves, scarves, socks, mittens, which will be provided to our fellow community members in need. We have been proudly running this campaign since the 1990s and have collected thousands of winter clothing wear to give back to our community. This year, our Mitten Tree campaign launches on Saturday, November 25th with a full day of family-friendly activities including knitting, crafts, hot chocolate, and new this year, a special creative writing workshop presented by junior creative writers. We are dedicating this episode of Museum Chat Live to the meeting of the mitten tree, having compassion and being community-minded in St. Catharines. We have an exciting lineup of conversations for today's episode, including a chat with Kat Skinner from Junior Creative Writers and a very special guest, Mayor Walter Senzik, to talk about the Compassionate St. Catharines campaign. But first, a few words about our upcoming programs. Spend the holidays at the St. Catharines Museum. We've jam-packed our calendar with a variety of fun, engaging, family-friendly programs to excite and spark the curiosity of visitors of all ages. From light drop-in programs like Museum Playdate and Dress Up and Pretend to more engaged programs like St. Catharines Museum Radio and Family Stories for Kids, we are offering all the ingredients for a perfect day at the St. Catharines Museum. Holiday programs run from Wednesday, December 27th to Friday, December 29th, and again from Tuesday, January 2nd to Friday, January 5th. Please visit our website for specific programs and times, www.stcatharinesmuseum.com. Looking for local, unique holiday gift ideas? Check out Merritt's Mercantile Gift Shop at the St. Catharines Museum. We have something specially crafted for everyone on your shopping list this year. From local history books, to maritime wall hangings, to artisan hand creams. Special this year is a very limited offering of reproduced 19th century fire insurance maps from the museum's collections. We've partnered with Craft Arts Market, located on St. Paul Street, downtown St. Catharines, to reproduce these prints for you. Perfect for the local history lover, these fire insurance maps are extremely valuable for their visualizations of the past makeup of our community. Their bright colors and meticulously drawn graphics have a special quality about them that branches the historical and the artistic that we just couldn't keep to ourselves. Prints are on sale at the Craft Arts Market downtown and at our very own Merritt's Mercantile for a very limited run. For more gift ideas that are local and affordable from Merritt's Mercantile, check out our blog, stcatharinesmuseumblog.com. Collecting, researching, and preserving your family history is challenging work. As museum professionals, we get it. What do you do with those old photographs, your mother's silverware, or your wedding gown? 
How do you record the stories that have been in your family forever, before it's too late? The St. Catharines Museum wants to help you with these questions. We're offering four two-hour workshops to help you figure out how to organize and care for the information and materials in your own family collections. The St. Catharines Museum Family History Workshops are presented by the St. Catharines Museum staff. Registration is $10 per session, but space is limited. Our next session is Saturday, January 27th, 2018, and it is all about the preservation techniques for family heirlooms. So register today by calling the St. Catharines Museum at 905-984-8880. Mitten tree, oh mitten tree, your mitts are so lovely. <laughs> we should write a mitten tree song. That's awesome. That's that's for next that, for next year. We'll write for twenty eighteen. We'll I love that idea. Write a mitten tree song. Right, that is better than what I just did. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yes, very nice. <laughs> So, great segue, Adrian. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the Mitten Tree, which is why we're all here for this podcast today, uh, talking about the Mitten Tree and um, and what we're doing related to the Mitten Tree and why it's important. So, we've had the Mitten Tree in at the museum here for a long time, yeah. since before I came to the museum. So, more than uh, eight years, we've had the Mitten Tree here. Um, it was actually a talking Mitten Tree for a while. Um, mm way back when the program first started, it was a talking Christmas tree and uh, kids could come and have a little chat with the Christmas mm -hmm. tree, leave their mitts and hats for um, for out of the cold and for community care. Uh, and it was a really uh, fun program. Um, at some t point, the voice of the mitten tree discontinued <laughs> just because of uh, logistics, really. Um, magic, you mean. And magic, magic, logistics. Yes. The, the we don't want to give away. The talking tree went to another place. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. other kids somewhere else. That's right. Um, anyway, so today it's not a talking Christmas tree, but it is still a very special part of the Christmas programming here at the... Let's go back to that. It's still a very special part of the holiday program here at the St. Catharines Museum. Um, we feel like it's a, a very important thing to remember that uh, during the holidays, it's not just about presents and toys and ourselves, and that we really need to think about other people in our community and how we can help them, especially that because we're so privileged to, uh, to be able to do so. So, um, so the Mitten Tree Campaign, Sarah. Tell us a little bit about what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, so as part of our Mitten Tree campaign to kind of kick it off and to launch it, we have a full day of events happening this coming Saturday, November 25th. Um, again, just to kind of kick off the Mitten Tree, get people down, uh, we're starting to accept our winter clothing donations that day. And we'll have a full day of crafts and there will be hot chocolate and a knitting circle slash crocheting circle where people can learn how to knit and crochet. Um, we'll have crafts going on in the gallery and all sorts of things happening throughout the day. So we do encourage all families to drop by throughout the day uh, to donate um, their winter, winter clothing and to participate in our activities. Special this year, we also have um, a creative writing workshop that 
will be put on by the Junior Creative Writers, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. That sounds pretty cool. Will people be able to get hot chocolate when they come for the mitten tree on Saturday? Yes, hot chocolate is very important to the mitten tree, and it will be there. (laughs) And we also have a couple of really nice, lovely volunteers who are helping people to learn how to crochet and knit. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned to knit um, when I was working for a provincial park that had a Victorian farm. And oh. I was I wasn't a student. I was actually supervising that summer, and so I didn't need to learn a hands-on skill. Um, like the students needed to learn a hands-on skill to do while they were um, operating the house. But I decided to anyway. Um, and learning to knit by yourself is really, really not fun. And luckily, these days we have YouTube to help. But it's even better in person if you have an in-person mm-hmm. um, teacher. But all that to say that our Donation, the donations to the mitten tree don't have to be handmade. No. Um, and uh, so you can you can really bring any sort of winter clothing to the mitten tree. Um, <clears throat> don't forget that if you're a knitter or a crocheter that can only knit or crochet in a straight line, which is basically what I can do, you can bring in scarves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you can't knit a yeah. gloves or mitts or yeah. hat, you I can, can totally also knit scarves only, yeah. easily. I can only knit in... I make it sound like I'm amazing. No, I can only knit in straight lines. And even then, it ends up being like... Oh, I shoot, I dropped a row, I dropped a stitch here or there. And it's like, that's not really a straight line either. But <laughs> anyway, um, or there's a big hole in the middle. Yeah. Um, I just don't do it often enough to, to keep up with it. But anyway, needless to say, uh, you don't need to knit something. But if you, you know, run to the dollar store, giant tiger, pick up a pair of gloves or a pack of socks. Uh, socks are really, really important. And it's not just for children or families, but it's also for um, men and women. So adults as well. So uh, that's really, really important. A lot of the times we get really colorful uh, children's mittens, and those are awesome. But we also need adult socks. Mm -hmm. Sweaters, coats, Mm -hmm. mitts, hats. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a terrible winter. so snowy. And surprisingly long, like the weather people... And I never know whether to believe them or not, you know, and there's always a picture of like the blizzard of 77 on the the article and you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be under 17 feet of snow. But winter's never fun no matter how much snow we get. And apparently this one is is supposed to, you know, sort of go away a little bit in March and then come back. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the, uh, yeah, woohoo. So (laughs) I think it's, um, it's, it's really poignant this year. So a question, Sarah, is um, are we going to have the community knitted scarf as well, like we've had in the past, where you can just, if you can't be here for very long, you can just sit down for half an hour and add a few rows to the scarf that we're making that's sitting there waiting for for others to uh, to join on um, and to really make it a true community contribution. Yes, we love the idea of the community scarf, and that will definitely be out there in the lobby gallery for anyone to come in uh, and add to our scarf for mm-hmm. sure. Last year's scarf had, I don't know, like <clears throat> you can kind of tell when different people are knitting because some people hold tighter, so mm-hmm. some rows get to be a little bit tighter. Um, but last year's scarf had over, you know, 10 different hands uh, to help it to help make oh, it, which is so cool, yeah. and it was so great to see people just sort of sit down and, and hang out. Yeah. Most of the most of the time, it was like, oh, you know, my my partner is still in the gallery, so I'm just, <laughs> I needed to sit down, so I'm going to knit a little bit while they and oh, while fine. I wait for them I to loved that. explore. Yeah, yeah it's so that. cool. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be a great project again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. 
So part of why we're doing all this uh, relates to uh, the idea of um, helping to support our community in, in any way that we can. And uh, the museum is uh, strong advocates for supporting uh, those in the community who uh, might not be um, the people that you see every day, but you know that they're people in need. And, and this is one way that we can help and support that um, at this time of year. But uh, on top of that, uh, I had a chat with our mayor, Mayor Walter Senzik, about a campaign that uh, he kind of uh, brought to the fore uh, when he became the mayor of the city called the Compassionate City Campaign. And um, this chat that I had with him, you're going to hear now, and uh, uh, he'll explain a little bit more about what that Compassionate City is all about and uh, why it's important for all of us. Hey, we're here with Mayor Walter Sensick, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Compassionate City Initiative. So, Mayor Sensick, tell us a little bit about the Compassionate City Initiative and uh, why um, why you decided this was a priority for the city and how uh, this came into your head. Thanks, Kathleen. It's a it's it is a an idea that came about when I attended a, a poverty summit in Ottawa. And it was about three years ago now that I had an opportunity to go, and it was a national national summit to look at ways and means to address poverty in communities across the country. And foundationally, coming back from that summit, it was this idea that how we look at our community, how we look at those around us, has an influence on how we build communities, how we react to a challenge. And addressing poverty is a big issue. And it's it's hard for a lot of people to say, well, how can I play a role in reducing poverty in our community? How can I play a role in helping those who are, are, are facing significant challenges? It feels like such a huge issue that right. it's like, it feels difficult to even know where to start. And I, and I, and I think that's where the Compassionate City concept is, is unique in that we're we're asking people to think about their community in a different way and it's a it's through a compassionate lens and so we've we've talked about how we get up every day and we could choose to put on a lens of indifference frustration apathy anger whatever it may be and what we're talking about through the compassionate city project is waking up every day and and using that compassionate lens to make a difference in your community and and the 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 tree of mittens that the museum has done annually is an example of what compassion looks like. And so engaging the community and saying, we want to help those who are through the community care in our way, providing a little bit of warmth, whether it be, you know, hats, mitts, boots, whatever it may be, and encouraging people to play a, a role. And the Compassionate City Project is, is really shining a light on a lot of organizations and, and, and groups that have been doing that kind of work for a long time. Faith organizations have been part of Out of the Cold for 20 years. And people will say, well, how is that getting to the root causes of poverty? And that's some of the times yeah. that you hear that, that question. Yeah. And I firmly believe that if we, don't change, if we don't change how we think about something, we won't actually get to the root causes of what's really forcing and, and creating those conditions of, of poverty. So through the Compassionate City project, we use compassion 
that compassionate lens to look at our policies. We look at compassion that through that compassionate lens about how we're building our parks, how we're creating spaces within our within our community centers, how we're engaging our older adult centers. Got to understand there's an invisible a larger group of invisible poor that are older adults that are living in in conditions that aren't acceptable and they're invisible because they're not out there they're not living on the streets but they're living very much in the margins of society yeah i was surprised by a lot of that when i did your compassionate city tour for the staff and uh I wasn't I guess I shouldn't have been surprised but I was it just wasn't top of mind and Mm -hmm. it it just wasn't in my head to think about all the time I guess and I think this is a great initiative to make you think you know ground yourself a little bit and think about what what else is out there it's not just the obvious and where we you know when it comes to a lot of the poverty reduction initiatives there is well let's put more money at it let's put more money at, at at affordable housing let's put more money at food security, let's put more money at child benefits, let's, and that's a part of it. But there has to be an undercurrent of how we as a society and we as a community see one another. And I do believe that this is the, we've been working on this initiative for, the, for almost two years now. We have more and more people seeing community as a compassionate community and they're trying to make a difference. And, the museum's doing that, you're seeing at Parks and Rec, you're seeing at the Aquatic Center, that we have staff that are that are using the lens of compassion more in their daily activities. And how can they help someone who's going through a difficult time? And sometimes, it, sometimes it's just that hand up, that hand extended, hand up, that helps get someone to a place where they can then make, make choices that are gonna impact their life. Yeah, I thought it was uh, the thing that really struck me in talking to the uh, the, the guest speakers as part of this mm-hmm. Compassionate City Tour was just the idea that people aren't invisible yeah. and that when you walk past someone that you know is in need, don't ignore them. Yeah. At least say hello, yeah. even if you decide that you don't want to give them a couple of dollars out of your wallet. Nobody's asking you to do that, but don't pretend that they don't exist yeah. and uh, just giving people kind of some agency that they are a part of our community makes a huge difference. And I hadn't really thought about it before and it really kind of changed the way I look at people when I walk around the streets of the city. I appreciate that. And it's, I always say that our, our community is like a circle and too often there's a lot of folks who feel that they're invisible. They're not a part of that community. And if you're, if you look at a city as a circle and people are standing on the outside, we're not doing our job. Yeah. Everyone needs to be on the inside of that circle, and then we need to make sure that we're, we're creating the support so that no one finds themselves standing outside. So it's, 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 a, it's gonna, there's a lot of work that still has to be done, Kathleen. For sure. And uh, it's, but how you look at, and I think you've articulated it very well, how you look at your surroundings, how you look at the people that you interact with, not just on a daily basis, but places that you, you frequent or you visit that has an impact. So this is the, with the mittens, the, the tree mittens, that's a perfect example of how staff can give back, community can give back, and there's people in our community that will be warmer and better off for it. Right, exactly. Uh, any other initiatives you wanna share that people can uh, um, take a look at over the holidays? I know we should be thinking about these things all year round, and I encourage all of our listeners to do that, but anything else you wanna highlight? 
No, I, I think it's it's just in the spirit of the season. It's a it is a wonderful opportunity to self-reflect on what does compassion look like. And I, I you know, last last year at Christmas, I went to the midnight mass at the cathedral, and coming out, so it was about one one o'clock in the morning. One of the most beautiful masses for the holidays, and. Mm. You know, one one of the moments where you just realize the magnitude is, you know, there's a, a woman sleeping on the bench at City Hall right outside of our doors. She's got bundles of, of blankets on top of her, and it just crushes you. Yeah, that's It crushes you. And so it just reinforces yeah. that even in the spirit of, of, of the holidays, we have to be mindful that there's invisible people and what can we do to help them. And, and that's, and I, we have a great community, and I, I believe that we have a compassionate community. And there's a lot of folks who are making a tremendous difference. So that's what, that's what I would that's what I would say. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me uh, today in this uh, conversation, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at the mitten tree. I'll be at the mitten tree. Thank awesome. you very much. Have a great day. Based out of Niagara on the Lake. Junior Creative Writers is creating a welcoming, encouraging space for kids who love to write. They offer classes and workshops to help kids express themselves, free their creativity, and gain tips and skills along the way. Kat Skinner is a blogger, author, and expert creative mind behind Junior Creative Writers. I sat down with Kat to learn more about what she does in the community. To get started, Kat, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself and your role in the writing community here in St. Catharines and Niagara. Sure, I, I definitely can do that. Um, I am a semi-recent transplant from Toronto. We moved here about five years ago. Uh, so my family and I have three kids, ages 14 to five years old. Um, I had a lot of experience working in theater in Toronto, but writing has always been a love of mine. And so when I retired from that world, I shifted my focus to writing. And so I'm a self-published author at this point. Um, I'm a two-time winner of the Rising Spirits competition in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, yeah, so the first year I entered, I placed second in the poetry category, which was two years ago. And this year I won first place in the fiction category. So I was published in their Rising Spirits anthology, and we just had a celebration last weekend. Um, and so through my writing work, I've discovered my own little community out here. and. I, I, because I'm a mom, I'm very active in my kids' lives, and they got very involved in a Virgil-based theatre company for kids called Yellow Door Theatre Project, and they teach musical theatre and performing arts to kids ages like 8 to 18 in the Niagara region. And they gave me an opportunity to start teaching at their new facilities in Virgil. So I developed a creative writing program for kids to supplement what's being taught in the schools and to give kids who aren't necessarily so athletic or dramatic a, a creative outlet of their own too. So I teach from time to time at Yellow Door and I'm also looking at other opportunities in the region where I can teach kids about ages 10 to, I guess I could go as far as 18 really. So I try to tailor the curriculum to their age group. Wow, that's so awesome. Oh my, well congratulations on your award too. Thank that's you. Fantastic. <laughs> that was a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, 
why is it so important for you to gear your workshops to kids and teaching kids about writing and stuff? Well, I know there's a lot of resources out here for adults because when I started to look into creative writing in the region, I found all kinds of stuff. I know Niagara College offers continuing adult education programs and the Niagara on the Lake Writer Circle is an amazing resource. They meet once a month. Uh, and they're very supportive for writers. They offer workshops and, and collaboration opportunities with other writers all the time. The library in Niagara-on-the-Lake is just launching a new writer's lab in January. So there's lots of things happening for adults in the region, but I couldn't find anything for kids. And when I was growing up, writing was a huge outlet for my creativity and it helped me get through a lot of difficult stuff. And it was because I had a really engaged teacher in grade four who was really passionate about creative writing that I was even able to find that for myself. And it was always a love of mine. And I think I would have been uh, maybe even more successful in my own writing career had I had a place to go like this where someone was trying to teach kids the same kind of skills that adult writers use to develop story and character. And you know, even if you don't go on to become a professional writer, these skills are really useful in communications through work and in life and being able to express yourself in the written word is essential to almost every job you can have and to adult relationships too. So um, I just think it's really fun. And I know there are a lot of kids who are passionate readers too. And usually kids who are great readers also make fantastic writers. Mm -hmm. So, and also, you know, like I love kids, their energy is so fresh and their ideas are so crazy. Like it's amazing the stuff that comes out of their heads. I try not to censor them. I try just to let them like explore whatever they stumble into. Mm -hmm. And they, they really write with uh, a sense of abandon that adults tend to rein in a lot more. Like they, they censor themselves in ways that kids don't. So there's a real revitalizing energy in my own work that I get from working with young people. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. You're so right. I feel like kids' imaginations, they really do run wild. So it's cool to let that to let them express it and say that it's okay, like let it run wild. And they're thing. they're unbelievably talented too. Like without mm. a lot of formal training, I see kids who are writing at a level that extends beyond adults I've seen in writing workshops. So <laughs> I think it's just because they don't know to be self-conscious about it, and they just really have the best ideas. Mm -hmm. So my next question is just thinking about the mitten tree and how the campaign is all about giving back to your community and community building and all that kind of good heartwarming things. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to ask you what you think the relationship between writing and some of the work that you do and how that connects to creating community. So I think there's a long-standing idea that writers are antisocial people and that they like to spend a lot of their time holed up and lost in their work, which is definitely true. And I think even kids who are into writing experience this to some extent. It's really easy for them to just shut out the rest of the world and just get lost in their imagination. However, we cannot make stories if we don't have people. So in our real lives and in, in our family histories, it, these stories are all about our connections with other humans and other people in our lives and in our worlds. And so in every writer, there is this need as well to connect with people and to watch and observe and gather stories and create stories in real life that feed their imaginations. So I think building a community of writers is a, a very important step if you have any interest in creative writing at all. And I think being involved in your community beyond writing too is essential because it's your ability to tell the stories of your community that keeps a community alive for future generations and helps the people in 
generations to come understand what life was like now and what was important to people now, what our values were and who people actually were. Um, and so I think it's really important that writers understand that they're part of something bigger than just their own imaginations and ideas. And I think this is a beautiful way to show people in the community ways to tell their own stories as well. As a writer and a blogger and everything that you do, how do you hope to give back to your community? Oh man, it would it would be so amazing for me to be able to regularly offer classes to kids in the region. Um, I'm always challenged when it comes to finding space. So if anyone's listening out there and they have a space, they want to help reach out to their kids and give them something new to do, I'm really happy to come and teach. Um, I'd like to encourage some more of my kids to enter writing contests locally. I know the libraries offer various opportunities and I know the Rising Spirits contest has a teen category as well every year. So it would make me immensely proud to see some of my own students giving back to the community with like their beautiful work and their ideas. And just giving kids a space where they feel like they can be themselves and create and they don't have to worry about the pressures of school or creating writing that's perfect for their assignments. Just like this ability to be elastic in their ideas and expressing their thoughts through words. I think it's really empowering for kids who often don't feel like they have a voice. And I know that curriculum has changed so much that a lot of my students are often complaining they don't get to do enough writing that's fun at school. So. I think just giving a supplement to what our awesome teachers are already trying to do in the region and even like coming into schools would be really fun too for me. So I'd love to be able to do that as well. It's just like getting the word out, letting people know what you're doing. So Totally, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's really exciting and I hope that a lot of exciting things happen for you and thank in the you. future. And thank you so much to the museum for this awesome opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. Junior Creative Writers is offering a special workshop during our Mitten Tree campaign launch called Mixed Media Memories. This multimedia workshop guides participants through the process of creating memory pages which honor their family history and traditions. Participants are encouraged to bring in photocopies of family photos spanning several generations to add to their memory pages. This workshop will be offered on Saturday, November 25th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and is $10 per person to register. Families of different generations are encouraged. We look forward to seeing you there. concludes our mitten tree episode we hope we were able to warm your heart at least a little bit we encourage you to drop by the st catherine's museum on saturday november 25th between 10 a.m and 3 p.m to take part in our mitten tree campaign launch and kick off the holiday season our mitten tree will accept winter clothing donations from november 25th through to january 7th 2018 and remember, even if you can't come to the museum to leave your donations, be sure to think about someone else in need throughout the uh, holiday season. This episode of Museum Chat Live was produced by Adrian Petrie, Sarah Nixon, and Kathleen Powell. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and the City of St. Catharines. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. No crocodiles or rhinoceroses. I only want hippopotamuses. And hippopotamuses want me too. Anyway.
This concludes our elementary episode. Oh boy. Thank <laughs> you.